This is The Boys Podcast from TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about The Boys, Season 3, Episode 2, The Only Man in the Sky. Okay, one, you don't just pop up here, you call first, and two, F Soldier Boy. I don't give a mother effing doodoo how he checked out. Ah, bollocks. He didn't die like no hero. I'll wager he went out on his knees begging like that, right? Welcome back, fellow boys and girls. It is the boys podcast from TV Podcast Industries. It is The Only Man in the Sky, which is episode two of this new season, season three of Mm -hmm. The Boys. I am one of your hosts, John. I am your other host, Derek. Uh, Chris still not back with us uh, for our coverage of The Boys, but he'll be back soon. Don't worry. He is still resting away on his holidays, Mm -hmm. um, but certainly... Uh, yes, it'll be good when we have the three boys back, which we don't know quite when that will be yeah. because there will be quite a lot of changes around uh, over June just simply because of work commitments and mm-hmm. holiday commitments uh, and you name it. So yeah. whilst there is a lot going on on TV podcast industries in June with the Umbrella Academy, uh-huh. with Miss Marvel, and of course with the boys... Uh, there will be uh, a sort of a a mix, a pick and mix of hosts um, over the course of these upcoming podcasts that we do. Absolutely. But But I'll be here. Don't worry. Yes. Derek will be the steady (laughs) ship uh, in the rough seas uh, for sure. Is that the phrase? I don't really know. I think I may have just made that up. But anyway. It's a good one, John. It's good. uh, Enough of that. Remember, this is TV Podcast Industries. This is the boys podcast. Uh, Please pop on over to our site to subscribe to any boy or girl podcast catcher of your choice. Just head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also uh, send all your thoughts, feedback, comments, theories, ideas uh, on The Boys Season 3 to feedback at Mm -hmm. tvpodcastindustries.com where you can send in your thoughts. You can also send in a voicemail if you want to hear your dulcet tones Uh on the podcast as well. But let us get into our spoiler-filled review of Episode 2, The Only Man in the Sky. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Yes, once again, brought to you by showrunner Eric Kripke and executive producers Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. I'm laughing because I think in the last episode I said Seth Green rather than Seth Rogen. Uh, Very, very different people. Seth Green, uh, obviously from Buffy and uh, Family Guy and Seth Rogen from everywhere else. (laughs) Uh, Based on the comic series by Garth Ellis and Derek Robertson as well. Uh, This episode was written by David Reed, uh, who has done loads of shows in the past, was a script uh, coordinator over on, uh, on Supernatural with Eric Kripke as well. Yeah, there's a great little uh, sort of ecosystem of mm-hmm. writers and directors that have come from Supernatural, uh, which I loved as well. Yeah. So great to have David Reed as the writer on uh, this episode. Absolutely, yes. It's the first episode of The Boys uh, so far. A good one, too. Uh, this episode was directed by Phil Scraggia, who mentioned uh, directed 45 episodes of, uh, of Supernatural before and directed episode one of season three. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for season three, episode two, The Only Man in the Sky? 
Sure. As Homelander plans his birthday celebration, he gets increasingly irritated at the line he has to tow at Vought. But when he learns of Stormfront's suicide, it pushes him and a young woman over the edge. With his new co-captain, Starlight, trying to defend his humanity to the world, Homelander stands up for himself on live TV. He declares that he's better than human. He is the real hero that everyone needs. With Queen Maeve informing Billy Butcher that the former leader of Payback, Soldier Boy, was killed by an unknown weapon that can be used against Homelander, Billy gets the boys on the case, now joined by Mother's Milk and Huey. But the only people that know the real story behind Soldier Boy's death are his former teammates, Crimson Countess and Gunpowder. But when encountered by Frenchie and Kimiko, Crimson Countess escapes, ruining family days out for everyone at Vaultland. Meanwhile, after Billy's first attempt fails to extract the information he needs from weapons expert Gunpowder, he tries something else. Billy takes a temporary dose of V24, giving him the ability to beat the lead out of Gunpowder. The team's babysitter... When Soldier Boy died was the boy's CIA liaison, Grace Mallory, and she's the only one who will know the truth. Billy loses control of his new powers, and Gunpowder loses his head. Following a lead on his boss Victoria Newman's past, Huey finds his way to the Red River Institute, a home for orphan children with superpowers. There he learns the truth. Victoria Newman was taken in by Stan Edgar, the head of Vought, and she has been his protege all along. It's very quickly tying in uh, that loose end from last episode, that cliffhanger yeah. from last episode as to what Newman's connection is with Voss. Definitely. Um, I mean, with Stan Edgar, it, he, he keeps the distance from her, though. So it's very, you know, he, he seems quite cagey. It's not publicly known, mm-hmm. this relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will we go into our, uh, our our main points for the episode, John? Yes. Uh, let us get into our points for episode two, The Only Man in the Sky. Let's kick off with our boys moment or the protagonist moment. Derek, what's yours? I'm going to start off exactly there. I'm going to start off with Huey's visit to uh, the Red River Institute. Um I really like this. We mentioned in the last episode that we had seen a little bit of this orphanage or a version of it, at least in the animated series. This is a little bit different, but it does seem like everybody that works there is as terrified of their lives as anybody who would work in a place full of uh, people with superpowers. A uh, big difference here is that they seem to have uh, seem to be very accomplished or very powerful with their superpowers, let's say. Um some really shocking moments, I suppose, in this uh, in this episode where we discover that um Nadia, as her real name is, Victoria Newman, uh, has always had this power of blowing off people's heads. And we see photographs, effectively, of the people that had tried to take her in before and tried to to adopt her. Yeah. Um, I think when Huey's trying to uh, go undercover, effectively saying that he's Starlight's boyfriend and that they want to adopt a child, um, the owner of the orphanage says, oh... That's great. At least with a suit parent, um, the chance of parent fatality is, is much lessened. <laughs> um, so, uh, so some shocking stuff in there. I do, I do like the touches of having one of the kids climb climb up the walls and uh, literally and uh, and climbing up the ceiling. Uh, the, what's going on in in this place of this orphanage yeah. is very difficult to handle for everybody. Um, one 
thing that you may not have noticed in there, uh, we do see an appearance of a character we've seen before. Um, we do see Teddy Stillwell, Madeline Stillwell's child, um, that was left an orphan when uh, when Homelander blew off her head yes. um, earlier on in the in the show. So uh, so this is where Teddy Stillwell is. I, I was surprised that Huey didn't recognize the name. Yeah, but you just never know. Like yeah. he, he he's grown up as well. He's mm-hmm. teleporting, but he's certainly looking very very creepy. He is. He yeah. is absolutely that, that. There's a definitely a creepy moment where he looks down <laughs> at the floor and points his hand up at the television screen, which is it feels like something directly out of J horror or something. Yeah, <laughs> a definitely horror movie moment. Um, but what Huey learns here is that Nadia was adopted by Stan Edgar, or at least taken in under his wing because she was too old at that stage to adopt, I think is, is, is what's yes. explained. But um, that's big. Like that's, that's a massive thing. She has been the leader of this organization that's supposed to be taking down soups or at least um, doing the checks and balances to make sure that soups aren't overextending themselves. But it seems like she's being controlled by well, Stan. Well, that's it. And it's all a little cagey, isn't it? Because we do also get the great moment where... Um, Stan Edgar is reading to Victoria Newman's daughter uh-huh. um, and, you know, having a very godfatherly, you know, grandfathery um, little scene here as she comes down uh, and the, the kid goes off and they start asking, you know, about her event from the previous episode, mm-hmm. you know. Has Tony been cleaned up, mm-hmm. ultimately? Yeah. Has the site been disinfected? Has anyone come forward? And then with the ominous um, statement from from Edgar, mm-hmm. really s- saying to Victoria Newman, well, even if they did, we would deal with them like Vought does. Yeah. Um, whether that means an NDA or non-disclosure agreement or whether that means that something else, some, they yeah. disappear, ultimately... Um, it is another thing, but I, so I really liked that. I felt it really framed it and the whole thing seemed quite relaxed in there. And, and so this is the only thing I'm a little unsure about with it is that I get the feeling that Victoria Newman and Stanley Edgar's relationship mm-hmm. is absolutely not known. Yeah. Yet he walks out the front door. And he's quite comfortable. It's not like they've got the blinds down. You know, it, mm. it it's done in a home. Um, yeah, true. And it it's all seems quite open, quite relaxed. Yeah. And so uh, it's like he's the he's her um, patron, effectively. Yeah. In in terms of and person in Congress that he can you know have his ear to the ground in Congress, so he knows everything that's going on in the political sphere so he can maximize that yeah, to um the best he can and which it links back to his conversation with um congressman bobby singer mm-hmm. who's running for president he does say i still know a few people in congress yeah. that you know could make things awkward for you effectively or, or loosen the wheels or, for or me. loosen the wheels yeah. for for him exactly yeah. so you know this is that wider networking game that he has got going on but it's interesting that this all seemed quite relaxed and chilled at victoria newman's home yeah with her daughter and yet it's not known about their relationship isn't in plain sight Mm -hmm. um 
because it's that revelation for Huey well, as exactly. much as anything. Exactly. So, and this, is, this is effectively his best friend. This is someone that he's worked with for a year and, and someone that he's seen day yeah. to day. You know, as you said, they had a, a big playful moment in the in the first episode that we saw, and they've obviously had many of those in the past. So, um, so I thought this was really interesting. This this idea of him going to the uh, to the Red River Institution and finding uh, and finding the details behind who uh, who she really is, I suppose. Yeah. So uh, really good. And I love that he. Uh, breaks it and reveals it to Billy Butcher at that moment as well, realizing that his whole life's a lie. Um, everything that he's been doing for the last year, everything that he's felt yep. so satisfied about for the last year, and you know how stuck up he's been to the boys as well, <laughs> kind of uh, lording it over them. How that's all changed now that he's realized who Newman really is. Uh, how about your protagonist moment, John? I guess my protagonist moment is that. The boys are back together again. Mm-hmm. It's the full complement here. We've had Billy, we've had Frenchie, we've had Kamiko, um, mm-hmm. together. Uh, but we now have Huey coming back and we have, uh, Mother's Milk, uh, yep. who ha- has come back in as well because Billy in, in trying to investigate uh, soldier boy knows about the background of, of mother's milk that his family was killed by mm-hmm. soldier boy back in the day again covered up like Vort does with the seven yeah and this is the thing that's eating him up even though he let everything else go this was the one thing mother's milk couldn't let go and billy goes to try and get information from him and he, he you know he fights it he still says I'm I'm out the game. Yeah. I don't want anything to to do with it. In a and hilarious yet, moment where yeah. he's trying not to curse in front of his daughter. Exactly. <laughs> and yet, as soon as Billy mentions about paycheck and soldier boy, mm-hmm. it switches on a dime. So we have Mother's Milk back and Huey because uh, of the realization that Newman is a soup. And she is in league with Vought Industries, and he knows, after going to the Red River Institute, yeah. to say that Stanley Edgar is part of her life, yeah. you know, so she's very close to the top of Vought Industries. I think as well, you know, whilst Huey is trying to get out of work, he is still employed by the Bureau, mm-hmm. and there is a really nice moment um where... Huey is saved by Starlight, really, mm. from Victoria. She's, you know, she's saying you're behaving strangely. She knows that, and um, there was a guy in looking for Nadia, mm-hmm. a person called Nadia. She knows that Huey had um, been inquiring about that with yeah. him, and um, had met him uh, in in the reception at the bureau. So she. She knows a few things. I think Hugh's got a slice on the palm of his hand. She's mm-hmm. like going, well, what's going on here? And I really did like the, the, the nice save by Starlight, uh, when, um, Victoria is probing about Tony and, um, they effectively pretend that they've had this huge, huge argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and begin to kind of carry it off uh, in front of Victoria Newman, who then is like, right, I'm out of here. Yep. Um, and then Huey just says, um, I may have just signed us up to adopt a child <laughs> after coming back from the Red River Institute yep. and so on. I think the other thing about this point is Vought are looking to replace two members of the seven mm-hmm. because Black Noir is out of action. He's kind of 
come off. So they're doing this whole talent show. So in mm. the background, not only as we were saying with Huey uh, in last our last podcast, has his world been turned upside down around the bureau and um, with the revelation of of Victoria's superpowers, but also. He's got a little bit of the green-eyed monster because one of the one of the participants in the big hero selection it's it's kind of like X Factor yeah, yeah. is that one of the contestants on this show to pick two um, members of the seven and. Mm-hmm. Um, is an old flame of starlight yes. and uh, supersonic mm-hmm. who has a boy band or was in a boy band and now he's doing this. And, you know, Huey's getting the green-eyed monster here Absolutely. and seeing that. So he's reading into everything. He's obsessing over everything with everything falling down at work. He's kind of almost just advancing the the what he feels as the breakdown of starlight and his relationship, mm-hmm. even though... That's not happening, and she doesn't feel like that. It's exactly. just uh, platonic. But there's some really nice moments where she kind of feeds into his neurosis and jealousy about that. She can spot it, yeah. You know, as which was really good in this episode. Absolutely, really, really enjoyed that. Also, I must say, I really enjoyed uh, Supersonic song. Um, You've got a license to drive. Drive me crazy. It really reminded me of the song from Jessica Jones, um, the the song Get that Trish cray Walker cray. Sing, yeah. sings. I want your cray cray. I want your cray uh, cray. It stayed in my mind for days after watching this episode for the first time. Uh, really good, uh, really good, really well pitched uh, parody again of uh, of the type of songs that NSYNC used to do uh, back in the nineties. So uh, so really good fun. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Supersonic as the season goes on as well because I seem that, that it, I'm wondering if they are setting up a wedge between. Um, Starlight and uh, and Huey that Supersonic may come in yeah. and take over. Uh, and it was they dated previously when on the kind of Bible tour yeah, that they not, used to not do. just dated, lost their virginities yes, to each other. That's so, true. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But ultimately, it's a little tough for Huey here. Yeah. And um, things are in his own mind are falling apart, exactly. or they they have done. Uh, whether real or perceived by yeah. him, and like the um, setup at the start of the season is that he has this perfect life, everything's going brilliantly yeah. for him, and it's fallen even worse than it was when he was working with the boys exactly. last time. That's why he's back with them now. But with this, it means that the boys are back together again, mm-hmm. the full complement. And of course, this now is being put to use by Billy Butcher for to get the information, find out more. Um, about Soldier Boy and actually how he died or did he actually die? Mm. You know, it, it's kind of normal service is resumed for, for Billy Butcher. Well, exactly. He he sends Frenchie and Kamiko off to Vaultland mm. and uh, again, another play on Disneyland yep. uh, to find and speak um, to Crimson Countess, one of the other members of Payback mm-hmm. uh, that knew and dated Soldier Boy at at one stage, played by the wonderful Laurie Holden from Mm -hmm. uh, The Walking Dead, certainly some of the earliest seasons. She's no longer in it. Um, And she's giving this lovely song on stage, or 
this musical number about um, Soldier Boy and the sacrifice he made to still pushing the vault line that he died in a huge sort of reactor yeah. or, or power plant uh, accident. Absolutely, I, yeah. And that does kind of lead us on to our antagonist point because these are two new antagonists that we have in the episode. That's kind of my point as well. Yes. The, the Crimson um, Countess and gunpowder the two new antagonists but it's a bit of a mix as always happens on the podcast a bit of a mix of the boys and, and antagonist uh, points that we have um i do love that song i think it's hilarious i think vault land itself is absolutely hilarious uh, we once got a one-star review for our podcast from someone who thought that the boys was representing right-wing people if you don't get that the writers of the boys are taking the piss out of everything to do with corporate america and corporations and how they control things and how they twist things to their mindset and how they twist twist things like gun control to their mindset. In here we have the the Vault Rifle Association. In here yeah. we have Vaultland. So the two sides that people are are associating uh, with Vault are this massive monopoly that controls everything about the way you're supposed to think about everything. They've even created Queen Maveland, which is taking taking all of these absolutely awful um, twists on phrases that people on the left wing would use things like having a black lives matter burger stand yeah. is what they've done with it on their corporate ways to sell things exactly. to the public because that's all it's about for them um, exactly and it's interesting but homelander has um you know he he has this phrase as he's kind of saying enough is enough and that he's the real hero he's not human he he says if people like Stanley Edgar or Vought can control me, what do you think they're doing to you? Exactly. And it's to that point of the branding, the marketing, yeah. the, the structuring, sort of the activities and, and mm -hmm. how you, you know, go about your your life as a consumer in that yeah. sense. So it's kind of, it, it is all um, being played at that level, despite the fact that we have another moment here with Crimson Countess mm -hmm. after being trying to be forced to say where Soldier Boy is. She manages to escape and her power is to kind of form a, a very high energy ball between yeah. her hands, but her hands must need to to be together. So I love the thing in her dressing room where <laughs> Kimiko is tr and French are trying to keep her hands apart. So mm -hmm. she kind of looked like the flayed man from Game of Thrones, <laughs> keeping it in, in the star jump uh, sort of pose. Yeah. And, um, but she manages to escape and shoots one off. And of course, Frenchie and Kimiko duck out of the way mm -hmm. and it gets the, the guy who's dressed up as homelander mm -hmm. you know the mickey mouse um going round the the theme park of vaultland uh being hit and um sort of blowing up everywhere i love the fact that it comes back later for kamiko because when she goes into vaultland when she's seeing crimson countess Mm -hmm. sing she's really happy she's loving it yeah. she's remembering her childhood and, and what was missed but th th there's kind of happy thoughts here but exactly. with the with this terrible accident with the countess blowing up and um, character homelander mm -hmm. a lot of the blood goes on to uh, kids a brother and a sister mm -hmm. who are eating a burger by the fountain and she goes that's ruined everything for them yeah. that 
this one moment. They reminded know? them of her, of her and her brother, yeah, um, when they were kids and so had their nice lives ruined. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And and she kind of says later on in the episode, she even says, you know, I, I can never be a normal girl who likes roller coasters because of this V that's coursing through her veins because of yeah. what's been done to her. She can never have a normal day out, even though. She wants to. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, another little touch again with the music uh, this episode. I love that she is even interested in uh, the other song that's being played, Ch- Chipstowed Cry by uh, by Crimson, <laughs> yeah. by Crimson Countess, uh, which sounds awful as yeah, well. really bad. Um, but again, you know, just to layer it on top of Crimson Countess and this this idea of get, going even better in this season about the fact that these soups have been called superheroes – and they really aren't any different from anybody else. They just happen to have superpowers. Um, Crimson Countess, who was a former member of, you know, the precursor of the Seven. This was a team that yeah. were as popular as the Seven until their the Seven's popularity overtook them. Crimson Countess does three shows a day singing a song about Soldier Boy, who's been dead since 1984. Yeah. So... Her career is has been over for that many years, and she's still in there. She's still in the system. She's still yeah. effectively just a stage act that happens to have a superpower. It feels like she's institutionalized yeah, almost totally. by Vought, you know, totally. it's for the money. And yeah. it, it's to the it's other co- point here. It's all, you know, I love Ashley. I um, really enjoyed her. She's kind mm-hmm. of running around but it's all it's all about what are the ratings you've got a, yeah. a 96 you know starlight's got a 96 percent rating level mm-hmm. yours is, has dropped by double digits you know you're kind of down in the 70s to homelander yeah it's the same with you know that payback was the big thing they've just been replaced by and um, the next big thing which exactly. are the seven yeah um, and but the same thing is happening over and over again and it's about ratings yeah. it, it's about longevity if you and can or, yeah. or getting what you can from it which seems to be what crimson countess is doing here it's like this is a steady paycheck it, you know it's kind of like celine dion being in las vegas for you know with her residency or yeah, something true. Sure. But just not quite at that level. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, I presume this is what would have happened to the deep um, yeah. when he'd been sent off to go to a uh, go to a water park, and that's the kind of thing he would be doing for yeah. years and years and years as well, hoping to make his way back to the seven. So, uh, so I presume that's kind of playing that point out. Um, I guess I'll take the other antagonist as well that's introduced here, <laughs> Gunpowder, um, yeah. because he's got quite a, a, an interesting line going on here with yes. uh, with Billy Butcher um, going to track him down. I love that Billy Bu- Billy goes there on his own. Um, you know, Kamiko and French are sent in uh, to take down uh, Crimson Countess, but Billy goes in on his own, and it seems like Gunpowder is pretty powerful or pretty pretty um, pretty good, uh, let's say. And he really antagonizes him. Um, Billy, again, a person with no backup here, with no weapons really to, to, to speak of, other than this possible complaint that, um, the young, uh, gunpowder put in uh, against his foreign boss, uh, Soldier Boy. Um, but he really twists the knife <laughs> yeah. in it. Like he's really not, it doesn't feel like he's coming to so, to, um, gunpowder saying you know oh i'm here to help or anything like that he's like i know this piece of information about you and the gun lobby who you're so precious about uh won't be very interested if you find out that soldier boy was a pedophile um you know and you were you were up for it basically is the way he's kind of pushing it exactly that's the way he he's kind of 
put putting it like this abuse by soldier boy yeah. on gunpowder. He, he calls him a habitual knob gobbler, mm. uh, which is just you know, I guess one of the joys of the English language Absolutely. isn't it really that, <laughs> that you can get that um as uh, as a phrase uh-huh. but uh, i think um yeah it, it it's really dark mm-hmm. um and you know it it gets darker as they move into the uh, underground car park absolutely but even even the setup of billy going to this event yeah. walking in with his gun the uh, the, <laughs> the uh, metal detector goes off and the guys go nice gun go on ahead yeah. in uh, the fact that they're offering 30% off on hollow point uh, bullets uh, to everybody in, yeah. in there uh, if who's gone to to gunpowder speech you know um, there's also the the mum with her young kid mm-hmm. on a on a sat on her knee in the middle of sort of effectively, you know, a, a gun presentation gun rally, by and gun yeah. rally by Gunpowder, who, mm-hmm. who's talking about and um, sort of you know wokeness and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's um, yeah, it, it's it really nails it on the head. Really, just the absurdity of, yeah. of the whole thing. Exactly, exactly. You're right, though. That scene at the car park with um, with Gunpowder really. Really, really playing with his food here with Billy Butcher. He knows he can take him out at any point, but um, I guess his abilities are really good with weapons is, is effectively it yeah. because he does that moment where he shoots it off one wall, bounces off another, bounces off a car and just grazes Billy's cheek. I think that's so cool. I, yeah, love, I it, love how that was done. It really was. And yeah. you could sense, uh, this is the great thing about Carl Urban, like you sense the panic coming mm. into him realizing, okay, this guy has got abilities with a firearm Yeah, uh, and then just start shooting out the, the lights to get all the car alarms going Yeah, uh, just to cause that mayhem distraction. You know, maybe it'll call a few security people down maybe. into the car park, yeah. but ultimately it's enough to distract gunpowder yeah. whereby uh, Billy Butcher can escape. Yeah, I, w- I was trying to work out whether that was a reference to um, gunpowder's actual powers. Does he have a, a power that's kind of sonic-based? So because the ro- the place is no longer silent, he can't. He may not be able to get the same shot off um, that he would have been able to get off. But I uh, thought it was really interesting. Did like gunpowder as well, played by Sean Patrick Flannery, who some of you may remember from uh, Young Indiana Jones. Yes. Many more of you may remember from Boondock Saints, uh, yes. where he uh, used to work with... Um, um, Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead, the two of them as brothers uh, over there. So you may recognize uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. It took me ages because of the mustache, and yeah. until he took off his helmet, uh, I couldn't I couldn't tell it was him. But uh, but great to see him uh, in this short lived role um, because <laughs> I suppose where it where it goes to is Billy now feel Billy now realizes he isn't powerful enough to take down Gunpowder on his own. So he does take this uh, V twenty four tablet or this V twenty four serum. Um, giving himself superpowers for 24 hours. Yeah. And exactly what happens to Billy Butcher is exactly what he's been punishing all of the soups for so far. He loses control after effectively almost beating Gunpowder to death and getting the information out about who he's looking for. So he's looking for Mallory. She's the one that's going to be able to give him the information about where Soldier Boy is. And then he loses control. He has this ability to shoot lasers out of his eyes, just like Homelander. And it cuts right the way through both Gunpowder and his car, oh, and yeah. a, a great comic timing uh, boys moment as both sections split apart. Uh, and In terms of the, both the car and Gunpowder's head. head. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. With, with, really good. Yeah, with all of the guts and ooze uh, spilling out as well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the other 
good thing here is that, you know, from season one and you saw the boys operating much more as a cohesive team Mm -hmm. as well, where Billy Butcher wouldn't have done that solo. Yeah. And there would have been, there would have been a plan because they know they can't deal with um, the soups Mm. one on one because they have these range of powers. So, uh, you know, you see, that they would go as a team or they would have a plan to do a certain thing in order to capture it, you know, yeah. think it through. And of course, with season two, it became much more where it, it fragmented like that. Mm-hmm. And here we have Billy, despite sort of my point uh, earlier on in the podcast about the boys coming back together. Yes, they are back together, yeah. but it, it's not reconstituted in the same way. Exactly. The, there's the the baggage of season two where Billy, it affected him much more personally. And mm. um, you've got the baggage of all these different people, uh, including like Kamiko yeah. um, and everything that happened with her, her brother, mm-hmm. which makes him take the V24 and go off solo yeah. just to have that face-to-face. And it, it's kind of reflecting back on the conversation he had with Homelander exactly, yeah. in episode one yeah. uh, about the, it being this one-on-one fight. It's man versus man. Mm. Um, and, and that's Billy's what he's leveling the playoff, playing yeah. field here. That's how exactly. he feels. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be interesting, I feel, just to see whether um, on how he can keep this secret from the rest of the mm. boys because it primarily goes against everything he exactly. preaches. So exactly. it's really a, a nice little moment and um, yeah. sort of turning moment for Billy Butcher. Yeah. But again, a call back to the comic books. Um, Billy Butcher has taken V in the comic books and I don't think it was the 24 hour version either. Okay. Um, so they do have, uh, they do take V uh, to go up against the soups as well. So, uh, but I like that, you know, that as I say, what, what's playing in here is he's taken it and he's doing exactly the same thing that, uh, that the soups do with it, uh, lose control and kill someone. Um, effectively, I don't think he intended to kill, uh, gunpowder when he went in there. Although he did punch him quite a lot as well. Yeah. I, I think, I think he was, Expecting to use his fists rather than lasers the, from the, the lasers from the eyes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. John, what's your antagonist moment for the episode? Uh, mine is Homelander. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I can always fall into this trap of picking Homelander because I just think it's such a fascinating character mm-hmm. in and has such a range of what comes um, across on screen from Anthony Starr, you know, whether it's the action, just the barbarity of him, whether it is the duplicity of him, mm-hmm. the connivingness of him. But I mean, here we have Homelander's birthday celebration and he's got everything going on. Um, he's got Starlight now as a, um, a co-captain and things are just getting worse for him. He, he's back on tv having to say i'm only human and stormfront was a nazi the the sound check with starlight and you have stanley edgar backing starlight uh in in terms of the choices being made for her by homelander Mm -hmm. at his own birthday gig you know i i really do like edgar's little phrase he says well it's your gig and you can cry if you want to. In reference to it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Exactly. Uh, just, you know, but he, he, 
stands up again to um, Homelander, mm-hmm. but ultimately this is all leading to that sort of fracture where he's he's literally um, cracks with the suicide exactly. of Stormfront, who bites off her own tongue in bed, and it just so happens it's on. Homelander's annual birthday save moment. And of course, that goes very, very badly as the person who's trying to save from atop one of the skyscrapers to stop her from uh, plunging to her death. Um, he effectively starts saying, well, you made the choice. Follow it through. And yeah. um, if not, I'll do it for you. Poor you Chelsea. Take, yeah. So yeah. poor Chelsea. Um, he basically lets her, her jump. Uh, but the the thing just before that, which I thought was, again, playing into the kind of the God subtext of Superman, where he starts talking about Jesus and the Immaculate Conception mm-hmm. uh, with Mary. And he says, I'm also an Immaculate Conception. I was poured from a test tube uh-huh. and I wasn't born. I know how Jesus feels effectively. And he, this is where we get the, the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. I'm the only man. There's only one man in the sky, yeah. you know, and that's, there's no such thing as God, but I'm the same as the stories and immaculate conception. I just loved how they took it from, you know, the virgin birth to effectively. I was born in a test tube and poured out. Exactly. Um, yeah. And here yeah. I am. Uh, I have no uh, no mother. This isn't my actual birthday. Mm-hmm. They just picked it for me. So again, it's feeding into the just this lack of you know the most powerful man in the world, and he feels n- like he has no agency. He yeah. can't do anything. Yeah. And uh, I thought this was just controlled by uh, Really, really good because ultimately, what comes out is this moment of truth at his birthday celebration Mm. where he talks about not being human at all you're human i'm super i'm a superhero i am the only hero in this world you need me yeah and i wrote this in my notes as his birthday tantrum yes Uh, it it is his birthday tantrum but what i like it is that actually for the first time He's being honest with the public about how he sees himself Mm -hmm. and who he is. And in so doing, Starlight trying to cover up the whole thing next to him is the one that is called out by by Homelander. He says, she's just lied to you, you know? So I, I just thought that was a nice little reversal. It's the absurdity of it. Ultimately, on Homelander's birthday, we're left with him having sort of stripped himself bare mm-hmm. about who he is, what he is, what he can do, yeah. and how he views the general public, which is really kind of interesting. Absolutely. He, you're not the real hero. We even saw it with the uh, character from Vaultland earlier on. This is Homelander's phrase that he says to the general humans, you're the real heroes. I'm just here to support you. Here he's repeating that the other way around. Yeah. He's going, I am the real hero. You're not the real hero. I'm here because you need me to be here. You couldn't do any of this stuff without me being here. He's, yeah. got, he's taken on that full-on god complex now yeah um and believes he is in the right uh scary scary creepy moment 
Um, and yeah, everybody tuning in for it. Um, there were some reactions from people watching. I thought it was really interesting. We saw um, Mother's Milk's wife's new boyfriend. Uh, that's yes. That's a mouthful to say. Uh, he he's watching on, smiling, looking really happy, and uh, really looks like Homelander's speech is appealing to him. Um, there. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It, it was it was kind of. Um, Again, he's the one that dressed up as Homelander for. Yeah, yeah. for he's obviously birthdays. a number one fan, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's the something. Um, you know, there's a look on his face that kind of admires. Mm. Homelander for what he's just done. Exactly. I, I guess it's that point where, you know, a lot of people, if they were fed that corporate line, mm. no, you're the real heroes, there will be people just go and, and call it as it is, exactly. which is, hang on a sec, I couldn't save myself if I was falling off a building. I do need Homelander. Yeah. Like people yeah. that understand that. So and mm-hmm. um, it's tapping in at least to Mother's Milk's ex's wife. <laughs> new <laughs> husband which we need to get a name for because i can't say that yeah absolutely uh, every time <laughs> yeah yeah definitely not definitely not um one one uh final thing that i really like about this i love the thing that pushed uh him over the edge at his television special is that somebody in the audience shouts out your nazi died it's a yeah. really it's a really poorly constructed heckle but enough to push him over the edge <laughs> i think that's really funny um like a lot of things in this show, uh, the duality of it and how scary it ends off becoming because uh, when coupled with Anthony Starr, uh, a really, really good moment uh, and a nice way to leave the second episode of the show. Definitely. Uh, Derek, any other outstanding moments uh, that you would like to raise? I promise my other moments aren't always going to be things that are just nice uh, from the episode. But I have to say, I do love um, the video, the Lego video that uh, that Ryan has put together of, yes. his, of his mom's last goodbye, is what her voicemail that that she had on the on um, on Messenger. I love that uh, he's so sweet when he's calling uh, Billy Butcher and telling him watch the video because it'll cheer you up. Uh, one of the other bits I love about that is when Billy's obviously had a really bad night. Um, it's 8.03 in the morning and Ryan's called him that early because he was told not to call before 8am. So he waited a yeah. whole three minutes to call him. It's really sweet. Uh, I really like that moment. I think the other moment there um, as well is just with the Lego um, piece is because Billy calls Huey. You get the sense that he's about to hang up his coattails and mm-hmm. get out himself. And it's the moment that... Huey tells him Newman is a soup Absolutely. and they can't fight for it uh, the right way because it's rigged ultimately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was really nice. I think the other thing as well is with his confrontation with gunpowder as well, which that kind of spurs him to probably take the V24 to confront gunpowder. Mm-hmm. The other kind of kick in the gonads that comes uh, in this episode for Billy is that you know, once he's beaten gunpowder enough, um, it is his own CIA case officer yep. with Grace Mallory who knows about Nicaragua mm-hmm. and, and what happened down in Nicaragua with Soldier Boy and the Russians. Yeah. Could have saved quite a few steps since she's the one that's been minding Ryan and he's been seeing her yes. constantly uh, for the last year as well. Um Forgot to talk about A Train. Yes, um, A Train's new uh, new strategy, I guess, to to put and place himself uh, back in the center of the seven. Uh, you guys got a Nazi problem? Well, I'm a black man in a in a superhero suit. Maybe we can uh, tap into that. Um, 
I love how quickly that falls apart. Yeah. Ashley going, you have no idea what you're doing. You're trying to be on the corporate marketing trail, but you have no idea what you're and doing. And his PR guy as well, who understands. The writer from season one. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I, I like that we have the two different paths there. The uh, one, of the, Those two were the ones that were coming up with all the storylines for everything that's going on. One of them goes off and, and, and uh, does the massive movie that's opening up at the cinema and the other ones uh, setting, setting up pitches for A-Train uh, here in the room. Yeah, with his pitch of A-Train to Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the line that they tread, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. it, it is in some ways, it's a reference to Black Panther here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, but it's also just the absurdity um, and the irony of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but also that in this, you know, Vought don't want anything to do with it. He kind of thinks it may have come across well. His PR guy yeah. is saying, Absolutely. no, she hated it. Yeah. Um, yet he still persists with it as well mm-hmm. by turning up at Homelander's birthday uh, TV show yeah. wearing his new African-inspired A-Train suit. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Terrible. And you have Ashley screaming um, about, get me wardrobe, get <laughs> me wardrobe. She's going to kill wardrobe, yeah. which was yeah. just, like, really good. Absolutely. And then his video game pitches, which, again, totally misjudged by A-Train as, uh, as something that Vault would even want to sell. Ashley kind of going, hang on a second, are you talking about... A video game based on the slave trade as yeah. something to to uh, to sell yourself. Uh, really funny stuff. Um, and coupled with the other funny intro that we got from the episode, where we have uh, another promotional tactic of Vault. We have um, the Deep's book, Deeper, has now been turned into a TV movie a couple of weeks after it's been yes. released, called Not Without My Dolphin, <laughs> hilariously, which I absolutely love, and starring Billy Zane uh, from Titanic, uh, which I, I really liked uh, seeing him yeah, back there. On so. VTV, uh, and it's also sponsored by Oven Ready Meals. Mm-hmm. There's a brand name, I couldn't catch it, but yeah, really... Really good. Lean Lady Frozen uh, Dinners. That was, there you go. Yeah. Lean Lady Frozen really, Dinners. Really, really good. Yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, overall, what did you think of the episode, John? For me, again, I really enjoyed this episode. I gave it uh, four and a half fat dead tadpoles out of five. <laughs> um, I just thought it was, um, again, it just pushes that line, I guess. And it's on the cusp sometimes. And I'm not going to say... Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the whole A train to Africa aspect, it was a little uncomfortable in some respects. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, no, I think they judge it so well normally because this is comedy. It yeah. is and about parody. the yeah. parody and the absurdity of actually what a lot of people live without realizing in the real world. Mm-hmm. So it, it is all of that. And like, I really enjoyed um, starting to see some of the the members, however briefly, of uh, Payback, mm-hmm. such as um, Gunpowder uh, and Crimson uh, Countess. I really enjoyed um, Billy and the boys coming back together, and yet Billy taking this huge step where he takes V24 in order to mm-hmm. get the information from Gunpowder. The stress of watching Homelander on screen and, uh, you know, he, he's kind of like 
a, a guitar string that is about to snap all the time. Like yeah. the facial expressions on Anthony Starr are, are just so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought this was all really, really good. Um, and, uh, yeah. So four and a half fat dead tadpoles out of five. Excellent. Excellent. Really like this one as well. Looking forward to episode three uh, to get more. Definitely. More of the boy's story. Uh, good stuff. John, I think we need to go to the pub and yes. have, have a nice beer. Indeed. Yes. Fellow boys and girls, fellow quizzers, welcome back to the boys pub quiz. We're on episode two, which can only mean one thing. Mm -hmm. We are up to question two. Yes, we are. Shock horror. (laughs) So question two. What book is Stanley Edgar reading to Victoria Newman's daughter on Mm. the couch in her home? Very good. Second question there. Put that together with the first one. Uh, gather together all eight questions and eight, eight answers and send them in to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you can be in with a chance of getting your hands on some boys' goodies. John, do you want to give the second question again? Yes. What book is Stanley Edgar reading to Victoria Newman's daughter at her home? Excellent. We are again recording these episodes in advance of release, so no feedback this time. But if you want to send in any feedback to us, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or go over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. There's a spoiler post up there uh, for episode two and episode one. If you want to pop in your thoughts in there, we'll have them on uh, the podcast later on in the season. Yes. Uh- This episode of TV Podcast Industries is also brought to you by our supporters over on Patreon, Mm -hmm. uh, including Kevin Smith. So a big thank you, Kevin, uh, for your support. Uh, A lot of what we do um, is not possible without the support from Patreon. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Kevin, for your support. And thanks so much to everybody that supports us over on Patreon. If you want to support us there, you can support us monthly by going over to patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries. Yes, or if you want to support us with just a one-off donation, you can pop on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. And of course, you can always support us by subscribing to the podcast and sharing the podcast around with your friends. Because mm-hmm. remember, sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Only one more episode to go in the uh, three episodes released in this launch day of The Boys. Yes, that is episode three, Barbary Coast. Mm-hmm. And that'll be coming out this weekend. What is going to happen in that episode? I'm wondering. I just have no idea what's going to happen next. <laughs> exactly. Not entirely sure. And um, The rest of the episodes, though, for The Boys for this season, season three, will mm-hmm. then be coming out weekly. And of course, later this month, on TV Podcast Industries feed. We'll also be covering Miss Marvel over on Disney Plus mm-hmm. and The Umbrella Academy Season 3 on Netflix as well. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting into some other different shows as well uh, as we go through the rest of the month. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, fellow boys and girls. As always, it's great chit-chatting, all the nuttiness that comes through mm-hmm. over on the boys. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep fighting. Bye. Bye. Bye.